with me one last time to John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12, and we'll begin in verse number 23. Uh, John chapter number 12. We've been, this is our, I think our third or fourth night in this particular chapter, and hopefully we'll be able to finish it up tonight. It's good to be here, amen? amen. Good to be here. Uh, John 12, verse number 23. Uh, we're going to read basically the, uh, the final call. Uh, the final invitation, if you will, the last invitation that Jesus gives to the nation of Israel uh, uh, before he is crucified, before their rejection. And uh, there is a final call. There is a final call. Uh, we have a God who is unbelievably compassionate, a God that's unbelievably patient, but there is an end to his patience. And there is an end to the call. He said, my spirit should not always strive with man. We'll get to that point here in just a little bit. But uh, we need to understand something. Uh, you don't need to push your limits with God. You don't need to push your limits with God. Uh, we can brag about his love and we can brag about his mercy and we can brag about his long suffering. But there does come to a point where God says enough is enough. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. All right. If you're glad to be here, say amen. <clears throat> The Bible says in verse 23, Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man shall serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into this hour. He said, this is why I came. This is the reason I was born. Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. And Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Verse 3 tells what he's meaning by this. This he said, signifying what death he would die. He's explaining to them uh, that he's going to be killed, but not in just any other way. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be killed in the Roman way of crucifixion or the Roman way of execution. This was a horrifying way. This was a disgraceful way. Uh, Romans only crucified the very heinous and the very wicked, uh, the worst of the worst, if you will. And he is saying he's going to be crucified. Now, that just doesn't fit. This, 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 is, this, is, this is insane to them. And this is what they say. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Just who are you? This is, this is in a cynical, uh, this is in a, a way of, of just, just refute. They said, what, Who are you? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For ye, now this is the last invitation, by the way. This is, this is his, last, his last encouragement, his last invitation before 
uh, he, he, he hides himself. It says, lest the darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did, what's that word? Hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Let me read that again. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your kindness, your mercy. Uh, Lord, thank you for a, a time and a place that we could come into your house and worship you and, and uh, study, study your word and, and, and to grow and to, to be discipled. Father, I pray that you'll bless everybody that's here. Lord, there's a hundred things they could have been doing tonight. But Lord, yet they took time out to be in your house, to, to be educated, to grow, to learn, to be edified. And I pray that you'll bless them for that. Lord, help me to help them. Lord, you know my weaknesses, you know my frailties, and you know how much I need you, and I need your Holy Spirit. And I stand before you humble, and I stand before you needy in desperate need of the, 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 the unction from on high. God, I pray that your perfect will be done. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. All right. If you'll be seated. I want to do this in the beginning of the study, in the beginning of the lesson tonight. I want to reminisce a little bit. Uh, and when I say reminisce, I want to, I want to kind of go over what we've covered uh, all the way back to John chapter number one and, and coming up through and coming up through what we have studied so far up until this point. And now the point that we're up to is the last week of Jesus's life. If that makes sense, say amen. You understand that? We're in the last week of his life. We're in the last days of his life. We're in the last hours of his ministry. He's fixing to be arrested. He's fixing to be tried. He's fixing to be mocked. He's fixing to be beaten. Uh, he's fixing to be crucified. He's fixing to die for the sins of mankind. All of this is fixing to take place, but there's a lot that's taken place up into this. Matter of fact, a span of years of three years leading up to this point. Uh, he presented himself. He presented himself for baptism uh, with with uh, John Baptist. If you'll remember, his cousin John Baptist is there preaching, and uh, he is ministering there uh, at the at the Jordan River, and he is he is preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And 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 now here comes Jesus, and Jesus has baptized him. Uh, he pre John presents him to the world. He says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world." This is him. He said, you've wondered who I am. You wondered if I'm the Messiah. Uh, they, wondered, they asked John, are you the one we've been waiting on? He said, nope. He said, I'm baptizing with water, but there's one coming after me whose shoe latched. I'm not even worthy to latch. He said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming that's going to baptize with fire in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Talking about judgment and salvation. So that judgment is going to come in salvation. Some you're going to get saved. Sometimes you'll get baptized. Some of y'all are going to be baptized by fire. You're going, to, you're going to face judgment. And then one day, here he comes. Jesus comes. And he said, that's him. That's the one I've been talking about. That's the one I've been preaching about. He has a, he has a, a recognition of who the Messiah is. Not only that, there is a confirmation from the Father. That the Spirit of God descended as a dove and lit upon him. And that was the sign that was given to 
uh, John Baptist in the wilderness when he was preparing for his ministry, and God specifically said, when you see a, the, the Spirit descend as a dove and light upon him, you'll know that's him. So he saw a physical sign, the dove descend and light upon him, and then he heard the voice out of heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Are y'all with me? <clears throat> so he's presented. He's presented to the world. He begins his ministry. He goes into the wilderness and he, he fasts for 40 days and he conquers sin. He overcomes temptation, the, the, the temptation of the devil. devil tempts him three times in three different ways. Uh, he was in all points tempted as we are. What is sin? All sin is in three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So in all sin he was tempted and yet overcame it by the word of God. Say amen. It is written. It is written. It is written all three times. He gained victory in the situation. He begins his ministry. The very first miracle that he ever performs. We, we have it recorded in the book of John. He turns water into wine. He takes, uh, uh, and, and by the way, we got to see some of the uh, 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 vats that, that, that was used with the water when we was in Cana of Galilee, which was really cool. And, uh, but we see that is the beginning. That is the beginning. And, and, and I want to I do this. In the very beginning... I want to kind of show you what the people had, the privilege they had, the privilege of experiencing Jesus, experiencing his life, experiencing all the things that, that was surrounded by Jesus in and, and, and these ways. And, I, and I, I, I put this as a point, the testimonies, the testimonies, the testimony is a witness, correct? The testimony is a witness. Uh, so what witness what, what witnesses did he have of who he said he was, all right? To his authenticity, to, to his, his being who he said he was, the Son of God. Well, if you look under number one, the testimonies, I want you to write this down. This is the privilege they had and the experience they had. So, A, we find they had the privilege of, of seeing his ministry. Write that word down, his ministry. <clears throat> his ministry. Man, he ministered to everybody. He ministered to sinners. They, as a matter of fact, that's what began the trouble. Because he would sit and eat with sinners. He would sit and eat with the outcasts. He, he received the, 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 the complaint they had against Jesus. He received as sinners. He received as sinners. He's hanging out with people he shouldn't be hanging out with. If, if he was holy and if he was righteous... He wouldn't be with that crowd. Well, they did not understand who the Savior was. But he ministered to sinners. He ministered to bad people. He ministered to crooked people. He ministered to wicked people. He ministered to people other people wouldn't go to. Are y'all with me? Not only ministered to sinners, he ministered to small people. They tried to keep the little children away. And he said, oh, oh, matter of fact, matter of fact, he got an attitude about it. If you'll read, you'll read the context. He got, he got upset with his disciples when they tried to push the little people away, uh, the children away. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Listen, he cared about the little people. He cared about the sinners. He cared about the small. He cared about the suffering. He would see people suffering, and he always had compassion on them. He always seen the people. He cared for the sick. He, he, he fed the hungry. He was, watch this now, he was attracted to needs. 
Listen, you say, I'm a needy person. Well, that makes you real attractive to him. He fed the hungry. Listen, he healed the sick. He mended the broken. He forgave. He forgave the sinful. He Listen, the most significant thing he said about the man that was lowered in the, in the house with him in Mark chapter number 2, he says, your sins are forgiven you. Take up your bread, rise up and walk. And he said, he said I said this. I said this so you can know I can forgive sin. Are y'all with me? Man, they had the privilege of seeing his ministry. I love seeing ministers. I would say they've always been my heroes. I never had, I never had, you know, ball players on my wall. I never had posters of basketball players or football players. My, you know, said that song. My heroes have always been cowboys. My heroes have always been preachers. That's who I grew up around, and that's who who I seen. And 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 man, it just they. And I love to see. I love to see ministers who who cared. I love to see ministers. And I by by the way. I shouldn't be saying this. I shouldn't be saying this because you never raise your hand against God's anointing and, 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 and you're never real positive who God's anointed is, so you better not risk it. Say amen. I don't like to, I don't like to talk about any of them, but there were some I'd just soon not be around. There, I'm telling you, there were just some I'd, I'd just soon not be around. They, they, they seemed arrogant to me. Uh, they seemed cocky. They seemed higher than everybody else. They seemed like they didn't have time for the little people, but then there were some. There were some they didn't care who you were. They didn't care what you had in your pocket. They didn't care what kind of suit you had on. They didn't care none of that. They just liked to be with who they were. And I thought, that's what I want to be. That's the kind I want to be. If I'm ever ever a preacher or a decent one, I don't care who I... You you won't be able to tell me from anybody else in Walmart. Say amen. That's what I want to be. And they got to see Jesus minister like that. They got to see Jesus' love on people that was unlovable. They got to see Jesus minister, not only his ministry, but then B, write this down. They got to see his miracles. They got to see his miracles. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about a a cool deal. I'm talking about show enough miracles. I, I put this in your verse, you know, Nicodemus said it this way. Man, we know that thou art from God because no man can do the miracles that thou doest unless God be with him. Do you know that nobody could deny his miracles? Nowhere in Scripture did anywhere did they ever deny his miracles. The leaders couldn't deny it. They say he's doing things and nobody can say nothing against it. His, His miracles were incredible. He walked on water. He fed thousands with one lad's lunch. Are y'all with me? Turn water into wine. Heal the lame. Heal the sick. Heal the, heal the, uh, the, the demon possessed. He cast out devils. He stood on the bow of a ship on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of a raging, rocking storm and said, Peace be still. And it calmed. Miracles. Walks into a graveyard and calls a man's name. Lazarus, come forth. And here he comes. He'd done been dead four days, and now he's stinking. He's already started to deteriorate. He's already started to decompose, and it was going to be bad. But yet here he comes. To the point that he almost became a circus act, not a circus sideshow, if you will. Because the people, they came to Jerusalem not to just see Jesus, but they wanted to see Lazarus. Miracles. Miracles. I mean, even, even after this, even in the garden, when Peter cut the man's ear off to come arrest Jesus, he picked it up and put it back on. 
What privilege. What privilege this generation had. To the point that Jesus said, Man, if I'd have done the miracles in Sodom and Gomorrah that I did in Capernaum and new places, they would have repented a long time ago. Privilege. They were privileged to see his ministry. They were privileged to see his, 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 his miracles. They were also privileged to hear his messages. His messages. I'm going to tell you something. There ain't nothing like sitting under somebody who can preach. And there's nothing worse than sitting under somebody who can't. Hey, it is what it is. Shine on. Say amen. But Jesus was the type of person that it was said about him when they sent, they sent soldiers to capture him, sent soldiers to arrest him, and he came back and they didn't, they didn't have him. They said, why don't you have him? You were supposed to go arrest him. Why didn't you bring him back? And this is what they said. Ain't nobody ever spake like this man. Nobody's ever spoke like... Man, we've heard speakers. We've heard rabbis. We've heard priests. And we've heard speakers. And we've heard philosophers. We've heard all kind of things in our day. But ain't nobody spake like this man. Amen? In the very beginning. In the very beginning. 12 years old. He's 12 years old in the temple. And they come in there, and he is amazing everybody with his wisdom and knowledge. They're amazed at the questions he's asking and the questions he's answering. Nobody spake like this man. They were amazed that he spoke with authority. He said, he don't speak like these rabbis. He doesn't speak because the rabbis will, will quote other rabbis, and he doesn't, he doesn't quote anybody. He just speaks with authority. They heard his messages. They heard him say, I'm the bread of life. They heard him say that I'm the light of the world. They heard him say, listen, follow me. They heard him say, listen, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. They heard him say, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And they got to hear him preach. They got to hear his messages. They got to hear the truth. The testimony. But then I want you to see this. Now, is everybody with me on that? Can you, can you, can you see this all through the book of John, all through the synoptic gospels? We see all this stuff. What a privilege. I mean, what, what, a, what a cool deal. I thought it was cool just to walk through Capernaum where he walked and be on the Sea of Galilee where he was just to be there. And it's been, but they were there when he was there. What a, wow. Now I'm saying all this so you could get the heaviness of what takes place. Now let's look at the timeline. Let's look at the timeline. We're going to see these things take place in this chapter, except for one. And one of them you'll find in Matthew and Mark. So, so this is through the Synoptic Gospels. It, it happened at this time. It's not recorded in John, but I put it there because it's significant and you need to see it, okay? A, <clears throat> here's the timeline of what we're looking at. Here's the timeline of what we're looking at. First, we see the triumphal entry. We see the triumphal entry. <clears throat> y'all do 
Remember, when he comes in, he's approaching Jerusalem. Uh, uh, he's, he's, he's been with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, uh, spending some quality time with them. Before he, he, he presents himself to Jerusalem, he presents himself as the king. He presents himself as the Messiah. He comes in on a cult to fulfill scripture, fulfill prophecy. And, and they hear that he's coming. They hear that he's coming. And thousands, some, some scholars believe hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people hear that he's coming and they begin to take off their coats and lay them in the street. They begin to take palms and lay them out there and all of that is significant. All of that is saying that they are welcoming in the king, the triumphal entry of the king and they're crying, Hosanna to the king, Hosanna to the king. Remember we studied this means save us now, save us now. They're looking for a hero. They're looking for a Messiah. They're looking for somebody to kick Rome off their back. They're looking for a liberator. Let me, let me change the word savior to liberator. They were not necessarily looking for a savior of their sin. They were looking for a liberator from their bondage. That's what they were looking for. And they thought this was him. They thought this was going to be the one. Come, Hosanna, Hosanna. He's a king. He's what? Yes, come. And they're they're praising him. They're praising him. But Jesus knows. It's just like he knew in the beginning of John, if y'all will remember, when, when the Bible says many believe, but he would not commit himself to them because he knew their true heart. He knew it was a false faith. He knew it was a false belief. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Then, we see, then we see not only the triumphal entry, but write this down. This is significant. <clears throat> we see he attacks the temple and their worship. And I put Matthew 21 and Mark 11 there. Matthew 21 and Mark 11. This is where you find it. What happened? The day after the triumphal entry, he walks into the temple and he begins to throw tables upside down. He begins to wreck the house. He said, you've you've, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. He said, listen, my house shall be called of all nations, of all nations, a house of prayer. You remember what we said? You know, the, 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 the... uh, uh, the cool thing we learned in Israel from the, from the guide that, that they had clogged up, they had clogged up the Gentile area, the Gentile place of worship. They'd clogged that up with all of these vendors and all of these sellers, and they were pushing out people that was the undesirables. And he said, it shall be of all nations, of all nations, the Gentile. God is the God of the Jew as well as the Gentile, or as I should say the Gentile as well as the Jew. And he began to attack their false religion, their false belief, their false confidence. He said, you're so confident in the scriptures and the scriptures speak of me. They were confident in their heritage. They were confident that they were the seed of Abraham and they thought they was going to get in simply because they were of the lineage of Abraham. Boy, he began to attack what what was theirs. Now this caused a problem. This caused a problem. Now, now they're, now they're doubting. Now they're doubting. You know, something I've seen in, in, in all of this as we, we learn this and is the power of tradition. The power of tradition. And I'll, I'll add this to it. The power of tradition and false religion. Then see, write this down. Then he begins to tell them the truth. He begins to describe, he is, he is telling them now. He is telling them now, and we find this in chapter number 12. He is saying, I'm going to be crucified. He, tells the, he speaks the truth about his crucifixion. 
about his crucifixion, he begins to share that he's going to be lifted up. And they know what that means. <clears throat> they know exactly what that means. They know that that means that the Romans, they know that means that he would be killed. He, he would be, and, and this is not jiving. Boy, this is going to make sense in just a minute, man. I've seen something in this that, that just stood out like crazy, and, and, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But you've got to see how this progresses. And one moment, they're declaring Hosanna to the king. One moment, they're praising him and, 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 and crying out, Hosanna, save us now, save us now. Then he attacks their worship and their temple and their false ways. And then he begins to tell them, I'm going to be crucified. They're going to hang me on a tree. I'm going to be brutally murdered and hang on a tree. Now that goes from bad to... So the very next step that takes place. Look at the last one here in the timeline. Or actually not the last one, the second to the last one. He's ridiculed and rejected by his people. Look what it says in, in verse number 34. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. How sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Who, who are you? Not only do they reject him, but they ridicule him. Look what it says. Look what it says. He's in, 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 a, in just... A, I, I got I to use my imagination here. <clears throat> I got to use my imagination here. Jesus, see, just like he did when he came in, just like he did when he came into the, to the city of Jerusalem. Y'all remember they're crying Hosanna. Woo-hoo! They're shouting praise and party and having a big time. Yoo-hoo! What's he doing? If you remember, come on, people. He's crying. Because he knew the deal. He knew in just a matter of years that Jerusalem would be destroyed. Not one stone left. The temple would be destroyed. The gates would be destroyed. And he's weeping. Well, here in this moment, he, he sees and he hears. He hears their response. And it, this, is, this is how I read this. this. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. I, I don't think I am, but I, I may be wrong about this. And we'll figure out when we get to heaven. But I, I can see Jesus maybe in a low tone. I could see the frustration in his face. And I, and I believe this is how he said it. I believe he said, a little while. A little while. Now, literally, it is a little while. I mean, this is days, just a couple hours. A little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light. That ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed. Now here, here it is. And did. Come on, everybody. And did hide himself from them. I want you to write this down. And this kind of brings us to the message tonight. E, he hides himself from them. Do you remember when we said, do you remember when we said that God is a compassionate and patient God? Right? He is a merciful God. He is a long-suffering God. 
We read, we read that God come to the conclusion that man was evil, man was, was, was thinking about evil wickedly continuously, as all his mind was completely on evil, so he says, I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to destroy mankind. I'm going to do it with a flood, right? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So God calls Noah and says, build an ark because I'm going to, I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood. He was building the ark and preaching Preaching, judgment is coming. Preaching, repent, for judgment is coming. 120 years, God postpones his judgment to give them an opportunity to be saved. But guess what? The flood came. There came a time when God said, enough is enough. When Jesus said those last words, he hid himself. This was the end of his public ministry. This was the last sermon he preached. And the curtain came down on this generation in Israel. In other words, what was he saying about light and darkness? The lights were turned off. Now, now let's look at something. This brings us to number three. <clears throat> I want you to look at the tragedy. We looked at the testimonies. We looked at the timeline. Now let's look at the tragedy. First, A, <clears throat> there is a refusal. There is a refusal. A, there is a refusal. Look in verse number 37. Verse 37. When you get there, say Amen. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Even though he turned water into wine, even though he walked on the water, even though he did many, many public and powerful miracles in their presence, they chose, say that with me, they to believe not on him. They chose to believe not on him. They refused. Listen, that, that, that confused me. That confused me. I'm like, what? What? I mean, I mean, he'd had me at the water and the wine. Are y'all with me? I say that. When, when he's walking on the water, I'm in. I surely, when Lazarus come out that grave, are y'all with me? So how, how could it be? And something, something they said is where it clicked. Something they said is where it clicked. Whether the Holy Spirit told me or just started to make sense to me. All right, Jesus has presented himself and backed up his, backed up his uh, uh, declaration or his announcement that he was the Son of God, he was the King, he was the Messiah, I'm the one you've been waiting on, right? 
He backed it up with his miracles. He backed it up with his messages. He backed it up with confirmation from, from you know, the Spirit of God descending as a dove, hearing the voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Uh, the preaching of John the Baptist, all these things, all of these evidences. Are y'all with me? He's got all this stuff. So how in the world? And then, he, then this verse, when he begins to tell the truth of what's fixing to happen, and by anyway, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. He tells the truth of what's fixing to happen. I'm going to be crucified. They're going to hang me on a cross. I'm going to go through a Roman death execution. This is what they said. Well, we read in the law, scriptures, Old Testament. Well, we read in the law where, where the Messiah, where, where are, are the one we've been waiting on, it's going to be forever. His kingdom's going to be forever. It does say that. It does say the, the, the kingdom, you know, David's, David's son, which will be the Messiah, his kingdom will have no end. And, and it does say that. There's coming a time when that will be. There's coming a time when Jesus shall return in bodily form. Just like he said in Acts chapter number 1, verse 8, he, or, uh, the angels, he said he's going to come back just like he left. He's going to come back to the Mount of Olives, walk across the brook Kidron, go through the eastern gate, and sit on the throne of his father David. Somebody say amen. And he's going to rule this earth. That's going to happen. But the problem is, the problem is, it also says he will be cut off. It also says he will be wounded for our transgressions. It also says he'll make his grave with the wicked. Y'all with me? Turn with me to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Where's Isaiah 53. Where's Isaiah 53? The Old Testament. It was the scriptures they had. Y'all with me? This is going to make sense in a minute, I promise. Matter of fact, Isaiah 53 is even quoted in John chapter 12. We'll get to that in just a minute. Are y'all with me? Who hath believed our report? That's the message. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? That's the power. That's the miracles. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. This is Jesus. This is, this is prophecy concerning the Messiah. And as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. When you see all these artist renditions of Jesus, and he's this cool looking handsome fella, that's a lie. According to scripture, there was nothing that was appealing about him. There was nothing beautiful about him. There was nothing attractive about him. He was common. He was normal. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as at our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. He was, come on, he was for our transgressions. He was for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his what? Stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the what? Slaughter. This is talking about the Messiah. And as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall, And by the way, we got to visit the place they believe that they held him in the prison, in that, that particular place before his crucifixion. It says, and, and it says, for he was, what's that word? He was cut off. Who shall declare his generation? For he was 
Come on. For he was cut off. That is scripture. That is prophecy. That is Old Testament. That it was in their hand. Are y'all with me? He was cut off. This is going to make sense. I promise you, this is going to make sense. He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. You remember that the rich man came and took Jesus and put him in a, a new grave? Are y'all with me? All of this is all this perfectly was fulfilled by Christ. It says, uh, with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. But his, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And, and let me back up, let me back up. He poured out his soul unto death. We have the word grave. We have the word death. He will be cut off. And he was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What do we see? A refusal. A refusal. This is what clicked in my head. Yes, they were correct about, what, about the kingdom lasting forever. But they missed it. Because it also said that he would be wounded. It also said that he would be cut off. It also said that he would make his grave with the wicked. He would die. Are y'all with me? So this is, what, this is what clicked in my head. They only picked the parts out of Scripture that fit what they were looking for. They only believed the Scriptures that fit their narrative. You see, they were looking for a hero. They were looking for a liberator. They were looking for the kind of king that was going to last forever. So they nitpicked the scriptures and made a Messiah of their mind's creation. Do you see this? You say, what, what, what is the point? What is the point? How many of y'all understand that you will only see what you're looking for. How many times, how many times, how many times have you tried to reason with people and you give them truth after truth after truth and verse after verse after verse and they still refuse to see it? You know why they will not see it and they cannot see it? Because they're not looking for it. I've tried to speak to people about tradition. And about their own heritage and their own traditions that they've made up. And, and they've, they've, they've made it so sacred and holy that they think church can't be church without the way they want it to be. And no matter how much truth you give them, no matter how much verse you give them, no matter how much scripture you give them, they refuse to believe it and they won't see it. You know why? Because they're not looking for it. They were not looking for the God of the Bible. They were not looking for the Jesus of the Bible. They were not looking for the Messiah of the Scriptures. They had in their mind what they wanted it to be, and they only picked out of the Scriptures what fit what they were looking for. So they couldn't believe. Why? He didn't fit. 
You see, the Messiah we come up with, he's not going to be crucified. You getting it now? The Messiah that we've got in her head, in our head, he's not going to be sitting with sinners. He's not going to be hanging out with riffraff. They they had this in their mind. It didn't fit. Jesus did not fit what they had preconceived him to be. And no matter how much truth he presented, no matter how much evidence he presented, he didn't fit what they were looking for. So, no matter how many miracles he did, they were not going to believe. You say, well, that's awful foolish. It sure is. But guess what? It's still foolish. You, you know what? The American church has done the same thing. And he goes on to say this. He goes on to say this. He said, if you see me, you see the Father. And I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but I, I want to make a point while I'm here. We walked into places. We walked into places. I, I, I saw <clears throat> last night, I saw Touchdown in Israel. Yeah, it's a show. I, I, it's, I said, Touchdown in Israel. I must see this. I clicked on it in, in craft. Uh, what's his first name uh, over the uh, Patriots? You know that demonic team from Boston? Amen. <laughs> Bob Crab. Bob Crab. I got to like the guy now. I mean, Bob Crab took uh, like 20 uh, uh, oh, uh, Hall of Famers, Hall of Famers to Israel. And, and, and so I'm sitting there watching it. And, 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 and they go to, first they go to Capernaum. I say, Tammy, 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 come here, come here. I was standing right there. I said, I got a picture of me and dad right here. And it was in a, a synagogue that was built there in Capernaum. I said, yep, yep, we rode that bus right by that road right there. I saw that sign. I may have a picture. <laughs> and Tammy's like. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I'm seeing all this. And, 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 and then we go to these places, the, the Wailing Wall. And these guys are praying they're praying, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying. And then we go to the tomb of David where they believe David's tomb is. And they've got, they've got stationary places where they're praying and reading scriptures and praying and reading scriptures there. And you know the problem is they're not praying to the God of Israel. They've refused the Son. And if you refuse the Son, you refuse the Father. And they're not praying to the real God. They're praying to the God they've created. And they said, hey, the one we're looking for, the one we're looking for, his kingdom's going to last forever. But see, here's what they did. They nitpicked. And they, they treated the scripture like some of us treat a Chinese buffet. Don't look at me this way, people. You go to one part and say, yeah, that's me. You go to another part, uh-uh. 
So they go to that part that fits what they like. And they fits what's comfortable. Not that despised and rejected part. Not that cut off and, and made their grave with the wicked part. No. Now here's a problem. The saddest part about this deal, the saddest part about this deal is first there was a removal. He hid himself from them. The curtain came down. That's it. That's it. No more ministry. No more pleading. No more, no more giving a message. No more requests. It's over. Jesus said, seek me while I may be found. What does that mean? There's going to come a day when he won't be found. If we'll remember in earlier, earlier verses, if we'll remember in earlier verses, Jesus said there's going to come a day when you will want to be where I am and you won't be able to come. He said earlier in John, he said, you, if you don't believe in me, you will die in your sins. Now this is the scariest part. First there was a removal. Jesus removed himself from them. He hid himself from them. It was over. The curtain came down. The lights went out. But then we see B. Write this down. First there was a removal, or a refusal, excuse me. A refusal, then a removal, and then a reprisal. Watch what took place. Watch what took place. It says, but though he had done, though, first the, 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 the refusal, though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That was their choice. That was their choice. So this is what happened. Verse 38. <clears throat> that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Two things there. Who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? And that's talking about the miracles. We see the message in the miracles. There's a prophetic explanation and a prophetic uh, declaration that who's going to believe? Who's going to believe the message he delivers? Who's going to believe the miracles that he's performed? They're going to see the arm of the Lord. They're going to see his power. They're going to see his ability. They're going to see his strength and his miracles. And they're going to hear his message. But they're not, they're not going to believe it. They're not going to believe it. So watch what God does. Therefore. Say that word. All right, back to verse 37. Verse 37 says, they would not. Say it with me. They, they refused to believe. That was their choice. So now, so now, God makes it where they could not. Their choice, they would not. God determines now you could not. In other words, God locks them in to their unbelief. What is the point? The point is there's coming a day when God's patience will run out. He said it, he said it 
in, 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 in the judgment, <clears throat> he said it in the judgment of the world when he was speaking uh, in, in, in the book of Genesis, he said, my spirit will not always strive with man. And the word strive means to plead, to plead a cause. He said, in other words, God said, I'm not going to put up with this forever. I'm not going to put up with this wickedness. I'm not going to put up with this sin. I'm not going to put up with this refusal and this unrepentant heart of man. I will not put up with this. But then he says, he said, he said 120 years. He gave them 120 years, but it ran out. I want you to look. Well, you don't have to look. I I didn't put this in there because I didn't know if I'd have room in your outline, but I put it here. Just listen. Just listen because we only got like a few minutes. Listen to this. This is the nation of Israel before they're taken into captivity. God is patient with them and God is merciful with them and God is long-suffering them. God sent his messengers. God sent his prophets. And this is what it says in 2 Chronicles. You can write this part down so you can look it up later. 2 Chronicles 36, 14 through 20. 2 Chronicles 36, 14 through 20. Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen. Talking about the surrounding areas in Canaan. And polluted the house of the Lord which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their father sent to them by messengers, rising up betimes and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. Till there was no remedy. In other words, God said, enough is Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary, had no compassion upon young man or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. They burnt the house of God and break down the walls of Jerusalem and burn all the palaces thereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of kingdom of Persia. God said enough was enough. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Israelites were killed or taken captive because one day God said, enough is enough. And at this point, three years of ministry, three years of messages, three years of miracles, three years of the privilege of having the very Son of God walking on the face of this earth Because of their stubborn will. Because he didn't fit their narrative. He didn't fit who they were looking for. They just picked pieces out of the scriptures that fit what they wanted. They refused to believe. They refused to believe in a Messiah that came up poor. They refused to believe in a Messiah who would give up and allow himself to be arrested. Even Peter couldn't figure that out. They refused to believe in a Messiah that would die, much less be crucified by Romans in a heinous way 
They refused to believe in a Messiah that would forgive the outcasts and the undesirables and hang out with sinners. He didn't fit what they were looking for. And let me say this. Let me say this. This might not be what you came to hear tonight. But there's a reason that a buzzard finds rotten meat. And there's a reason a hummingbird finds sweet nectar. Every time. It's because that's what he's looking for. I want to know the truth. You got to look for it. You may tell you what a lot of Christians are doing today. And I say Christians. I'm talking about religious people. They're not opening their Bible to find truth. They're opening the Bible to confirm what they already have believed in their mind. They look up scripture to try to back up what they've already predetermined truth to be. You will never find truth unless you're truly seeking it. And all God's people say it. Listen, God, see they went from would not to then they could not. God shut the door. God stopped. Enough is enough. God hardened their heart, blinded their eyes that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their ears. This is verse 40. Be converted and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. By the way, that's talking about Isaiah 6. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He's saying he saw Jesus. That was Jesus in that chapter. And here's another sad portion. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not. Man, y'all quiet tonight. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Why? For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. You know, we got that problem today, too. Here's the deal. They, we, we could say it this way. We could say, according to James, they had demon faith. They had demon faith. Nobody believes in Jesus like demons. You remember when they was, they was in, that, in that man, we're, we're legion? They knew who he was. Send us into them swine. Right? Demons believe. They understand. They have factual knowledge of who Jesus is. But they have not repented and they will not surrender and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is not their Lord. Satan is their Lord. And these people, they had factual understanding, factual knowledge. They believed that Jesus was who he said he was. But there was something that, 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 that entertained them more. There was something that appealed to them more. They would rather have men brag on them God. And if they confessed that Jesus was Lord, if they confessed that he was the true Messiah, they would be kicked out of the temple. And they just couldn't have that. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. There's people, there's, there's preachers right now that's called me, I can't tell you how many times, and they want what you have here, but they're afraid of what people are going to say about them if they make changes to make it happen. 
Now, you may not like me, but I am what I am. You know what? It's easier that way. You know what's hard? Trying to be what you're not. And there's going to come a day that every single person is going to stand before God and give account for why they would or wouldn't do what they did because they would rather hear Dr. So-and-so praise them than God give them. And these people refused. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't just, it wasn't people that refused to believe in him. There were people that believed in him but would not confess him because they were afraid what people would say about it. And, 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 and you know what the Bible says? That, that, that there's a certain group of people that's going to have their part in the lake of fire. The fearful. And they refused to submit to him as Lord and confess him as Lord. And then Jesus says, let me wrap it up with this. Let me wrap it up with this. Some last words that John recorded that Jesus said. Verse 44 through 50. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. In other words, if you believe me, you believe the Father. The Father is the one that sent me. He that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. In other words, if you don't believe on me, you're in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him, the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in that last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a, com a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that this, excuse me, and I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Three things, write this down. Here's the truth. Here's the conclusion. You cannot honor God without honoring Jesus. You cannot honor God without honoring Jesus. Now, what's, why is that significant? I heard, I heard, and you hear politicians say this. You hear politicians say this to try to reach the religious crowd to get their vote. One particular one said that in this past mudslinging fest. He said, I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of faith. Yet believes in murdering babies. But I'm a man of faith. Okay, here's the problem. A faith in what? But see, that is a, that is a way, that is, let me say this, that's a cop-out. That's a way to appear as spiritual. All of these people here were men of faith. They had a religion. They had faith. But the problem was their faith was not placed in the right object. And that object would be Jesus and if your faith is not in the Lord Jesus Christ, if your faith is not in His precious blood that He shed on Calvary's cross, and your faith is not in God. Because you cannot honor God without honoring the Son. If you refuse the Son, you refuse the Father. Are y'all with me? Say amen. This is so important. That's why I know that the people that we got to visit and the people we got to see who were very religious very disciplined, very orthodox, and they come to the same place every single day because they were men of faith, but the problem is they have faith in the wrong object. 
Jesus is saying, if you don't have me, you don't have the Father. You cannot honor the Father without honoring the Son. Church, say amen. amen. B, Jesus' purpose was to bring light to darkness. He said, he said this, I didn't come to judge anybody. He even said in John chapter 3, I didn't come to condemn anybody. People, people say that Christians are so condemning. We're not condemning. You're already condemned. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn anybody. He said, you're already condemned. I didn't come to, I came to bring light. You're in darkness. You don't understand. You cannot see. When you're in darkness, you can't see where you're going. That's why the last words that he said was said in frustration. And he probably said with, he said, believe the light. While you have it, you're not going to have it very much longer. Does that make sense? Then lastly, you cannot honor God without honoring Jesus. Jesus' purpose was to bring light to darkness. See, his words will one day judge every unbeliever. What does that mean? When you go to court, when you go to, you go to court, you're supposed to be, I don't know if this always happens, but it's supposed to be. You're judged according to the law. You know, if you're speeding, 70, you're running in a 70 mile an hour and you're doing 82, you will receive according to what the law says you're supposed to go 70. So the, 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 the judgment will be according to the law. I, you know, everybody had their, their opinion about the great white throne judgment, and that is the final judgment, by the way. That's when that's going to take place for all the unbelievers. The great right throne judgment we find in the end of Revelation. It says the books were opened and the book of life was opened. The books, some have said, some have said that, that the books, plural, is that the deeds and the recordings of all of man's behavior and his actions and all of that kind of stuff. But I, I, I tend to think it's God's word. I believe God's going to open his Bible and judge everyone according to Scripture in truth. And if anybody ends up at the great white throne judgment, they're unbelievers and they, they're unsaved, and he's going to say you are in the predicament you're in, you're going to receive the judgment and the punishment you're going to receive because thus saith the Lord. And everyone's going to be judged by the word. Now listen, by the words they refuse to believe. You see, he came to be your Savior. But if you refuse him as your Savior, he will end up being your judge. This is when the lights went out in Israel. And all God's people said, what do we need to do? Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. One day God will say, enough is enough. Nobody's promised tomorrow. What is your life? It's even a vapor. It's here for a little while and vanisheth away. Let me say this too. 
Let me say this too for the saved folk in here. When it comes to our hidden sin that we think nobody sees, there's coming a day for that too. One day God will say enough is enough. Amen? Either way, we need to be right with him. And all God's people say it. Lord Jesus, thank you for